connection. Oh, here we go. Is this working? Thing is on. Cool. Good morning. Uh, all right. So uh, let's just go over a couple things. Let's pray. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus for this day. We thank you, Lord, for um, your word that sets us free. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to recap. I know I was talking yesterday uh, with you, Eli, um, <clears throat> about everything. But I'm just going to kind of recap because I think it's important to, to recap on this. This is pretty good stuff. So, you know, sometimes when we pray, uh, we don't see we don't see results or whatever. You know what I mean? And so, there's this teaching that talks about uh, God's will. And it says... Everything that happens is God's will. Okay? Only problem with that, I'm, I'm going to show you some of that. So, so when, I, when I was struggling with pornography, uh, we had, uh, I remember going to bed crying myself to sleep and begging God to take this away from me, you know, and asking God to please take this away from me. And... Uh, I couldn't stop, you know, <clears throat> and it was just an addiction thing, you know, and so, man, when we start believing this, that everything that happens is the will of God, then it's a kind of a dangerous thing, you know, it starts to tell us, you know, we, we, we say, um, if everything happens is God's will, then it comes to the point, it's like, why, why am I even praying? You know, why pray? If everything happens is God's will, then why pray? Because, see, I would sit there and I would pray about uh, my being able to, to stop looking at pornography, and I couldn't stop. And so, it got to the point where I also, I started to literally believe that, I started to literally believe this. Well, maybe it's not... God's will for me to stop sinning. <laughs> How twisted is that? How twisted is that? You know, <clears throat> this is this is a this is a real big issue, man. Um, there's a few things, you know, we got we have to we have to get down, man. We we need to know some things that are definitely God's will. Before we just start throwing out there, well, everything that happens is God's will. If we say everything that happens is God's will, then it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous to say that. Um, because, first of all, it creates passive Christianity. If we say everything that happens is God's will, then we just have passive Christianity. We don't, we, we stop praying. Why pray? Why pray if whatever's going to happen is going to happen? Why pray? So, prayer is commanded by Jesus. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Okay? And so, if prayer wasn't necessary, then Jesus wouldn't have taught us how to do it. But if you believe that everything happens as God's will, then you, you just literally stop praying. Because there's no reason to pray. If those, that person is going to give their life to Jesus, then that person is going to give their life to Jesus. If he's not, then he's not. If that person is going to be healed, then he's going to be healed. If the person is not going to be healed, he's not going to be healed. So there was a few things, man, that I started really wrestling with. And I started realizing, man, what is the will of God? Like, for sure. Like, what do I know? And I started building on this. Like, one thing I knew, I knew that God didn't want me to sin. I knew that. Okay? And... The problem was I had this, like I said, the lack of self-control. But again, see, self-control itself contradicts the idea that everything that happens is God's will. You know? If you look at the word will, it just means desire. If I'm dying and I write a will, the will is just my desire. Okay? So... There's some things that we know are God's will. Like, for instance, is it God's will to punish sin? 
Well, first of all, if everything that happens is God's will, He can't punish sin. Because then it's not really sin. Sin actually is going against the desire of God. I mean, that's the very definition of sin. You know what I mean? Sin is to actually come against what God wants. So, so again, sin itself also discredits the point of view that everything that happens is God's will. Okay? So, does God want to punish sin? Answer is yes. Does he want to forgive sin? Answer is yes. Now, that sounds contradictory. You know what I mean? It almost sounds like God has two wills. You know? How about this? What if... You said one was the law, right? Yes, you have you have the law. Okay, you have the law of sin and death, and then you have the law of liberty. Okay, now Jesus came. Watch this. This is so cool. He talks about punishing sin and forgiving sin. Jesus comes in. and He says, "I didn't come here to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it." Okay, so this is so cool. Jesus is the perfect wisdom of God. Jesus is, is the manifested wisdom. Of God. Jesus. Jesus is the manifested wisdom of God. See, in Jesus Christ, God punishes sin. But in Jesus Christ, God also forgives sin. So it's not a dual will necessarily. What it is, is God is a just God. Everybody thinks, for instance, they say, well, don't put God in a box. Okay? They say, well, don't put God in a box. Okay, let me just, let me, let me show you something. God does have a box. This is his box. Right here. His word. Okay? There are things that God can't do. We talked about this yesterday. One thing God cannot do, He cannot lie. God cannot sin. Okay? But God cannot lie. So, if you study the Scripture, <clears throat> okay, You'll see that there's these laws that have been set in place. God has set these laws in place. Okay? And he, the main thing is, you know, when the, for, for instance, for the wages of sin is death, right? That's a law. Now, that law is actually Old Testament law that's repeated in the New Testament. In Romans, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So that's like a law. That is like gravity. If you jump up in the air, you're going to fall. Okay? So, you see that the law of gravity always takes effect. Okay? So when you talk about. Um, the law of sin and death, the law of sin and death always takes place. This is why whenever you don't follow God, your life falls completely to pieces. Okay? And if your life around you doesn't fall to pieces, you're ate up on the inside. There are people out there that have everything, but they blow their brains out with a gun. You know what I'm saying? Just because you have everything doesn't mean that everything's right. See what I'm saying? There's this thing that happens. When we aren't serving God, then the law of sin and death takes place. See what I'm saying? Uh, and normally it'll, it'll manifest in a, you know, you've lost everything or whatever, you know, you're not. Anyway, but a lot of times people will just, they'll still lose everything. They'll have all this material things, but it's not really seeking God, and they'll lose everything that's important to them. See what I mean? Um, anyway, we got this law of sin and death. Alright? And, and the reason why people, they, they mess up here is they they say, well, we know, you know, God always knows what's going to happen from the beginning, you know. He knows everything. And the reason why they do this is they talk about prophecy, okay. Now, prophecy, though, the reason why it's, a lot of times they talk about prophecy is because prophecy, prophecy is to know God's heart. Prophecy is to know God's heart. Now, when you talk about God, he, 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 he operates on years, not just moments. He operates in moments, but he operates in years. 
You know, so when a prophet would come, they'd say, hey, if you don't repent, or no, actually, they'd say, if you continue on in your sin, if, they, if you continue sinning, and this is the Old Testament prophets, okay, then this catastrophe or disaster, this disaster will pursue you. It'll come on you, okay, and you'll be destroyed. Why? This was a form of judgment. Because, you have to keep this in mind, if God doesn't judge sin, then he's a liar. Now that's, that's crazy. A lot of people get offended. Oh, well, God's not going to judge. No, God has to judge or he's a liar. Okay? If he doesn't judge, he's a liar. He has to uphold his word. And he had a standard for mankind, and mankind broke the standard. Therefore, they are deserving of punishment. Okay? So this is just law. This is... We're talking about law here. And why? The, the law is righteous. The law is holy. The law actually portrays to you what God is like. Holy. Set apart. You know? And so when we break this law, then sin and death pursue us. Okay? It's kind of like, and some people will try to, to sugarcoat this a little bit. And I, I like the way they say it. It's nice, but, you know, it still doesn't change the fact that God is the one who judges. He is the judge. I mean, if you don't say that, then you throw away scriptures. You can't do that. You know, he is the judge. However, let's just put it this way. If, if God is the light, and you turn the light off, then there's darkness. Okay? It's just a matter of reality. Okay? So, same thing with God. When we stop walking with God then we just enter into darkness. Does that make sense? You know, so there, there's a matter of fact here. It's just a matter of fact. But it is also something that God has spoken. He says, if you walk outside of me, then you enter into darkness. You know? So, that's the law of sin and death, right? Alright, so, it is God's will to punish sin. But Jesus says, he didn't come here to get rid of the law. A lot of people think that when Jesus came, that now the law is gone. That's not true. If you don't read the Old Testament and you don't know the law, you don't know Jesus. You can't possibly understand Jesus and what he did for us if you don't read the law. If you don't understand what he went through. Like, why was it necessary? There were so many things that were prophesied in the law and the prophets and the writings that scream out Jesus. And we won't really understand uh, the beauty of the cross until we actually study the Old Testament. Okay? So, the law of sin and death leads to death every time. So God can't, it says in Exodus, check this out. Exodus chapter 34. Uh, Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. Okay? And he says, <clears throat> he says, hey, show me your glory. Okay? And he says, man, I'm going to pass all my goodness before you, and I'm going to, uh, and I'm going to proclaim my name. Okay? That's in Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. And then in Exodus 34, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Watch this. But who will by no means clear the guilty? I'm like, what? When I read that scripture the first time, I'm like, this is messing me up. He just said he forgave all this stuff, abounding in steadfast love. And the very next verse says, um, But who will by no means clear the guilty? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children, the third and fourth generation. And then Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Listen, when we, hear, when we hear something that's hard from God, like something we don't understand, the first response should be just to worship Him. Like immediately. Just humble yourself and worship Him. And let Him show you his mightiness, okay? So, watch this. In Jesus Christ, this is this is where this all comes together. You've got, it says right here, that he's merciful, gracious, bounding in love, right? Forgiving iniquity, but by no means will clear the guilty. Right, How does that work? Well, this is why we have good news. Jesus is good news because in Jesus, it's like, let's say you owed a debt. For $50,000. Okay, you owe a debt for $50,000. Okay? 
and you can't pay it. Well, it's it's right that you pay it, right? It'd be it'd be um, stealing, and that's evil. Okay. If you if you don't pay that, then it would be stealing. Okay. So the judge will require the judge requires that payment be made. But what if somebody else came in, gave you $50,000, and paid your debt for you? Then justice would be served, the law would be kept, but you would get to go free. So here's Jesus doing the same thing. See, you owed a life debt. Jesus came and paid your life debt so that the guilty would not be cleared. See? See, justice would be served, but then he could forgive sin. So Jesus is the perfect wisdom of God. Alright, so, I'm, I'm saying this because when people look at the prophets, they only read half the story. The prophets will prophesy and say, if you don't repent, they'll say, hey, if you keep on sinning, then this disaster is going to come towards you. And it happened. And it happened in the Old Testament. They would not obey God, and then this disaster would be coming. So, right? It's equivalent to me telling my son, Son, if you touch that over there, I'm going to spank you. Right? But how do you... You know this, that if he doesn't touch it, then I won't spank him. See? See, a lot of people think that whenever the word comes out of God's mouth, it's a done deal. It's over. No. The prophets were a warning. It says in the scriptures that he sent the prophets so that the people might repent. The prophets were sent as a warning. The prophets were love. Like, people don't see that. They, well, he, they're coming out here prophesying doom and gloom. It's not about prophesying doom and gloom. <laughs> Guess what? If I'm, listen, when I go preach the gospel, there's two sides of the story. Doom and gloom and glory. And people want to throw away half of it. You can't throw away half of it. That's throwing away half of the word. No, here's the truth, man. We are already condemned because of our sin. We're going to go to hell. If we don't receive Jesus. Now, we don't go to hell for rejecting Jesus. We're already on our way to hell. It's like this. <laughs> it's like it's like being drowning out in the Titanic, right? And somebody gets offended when you throw them a lifeguard. A life vest. Here, here, take this little life preserver. And they're like, are you telling me if I don't get on that life preserver, I'm going to die here? Like, how foolish is that? People don't get it. You're already dying because of your sin. Jesus is the good news. He sends the life preserver out. Here's the life preserver. You can't get offended when the life preserver comes out and says, I can't believe you think that just because I don't grab that life preserver, I'm going to freeze to death in this water. Right? No, you're already there. Jesus is the good news. He's the way out, you see? And so people get offended by that. It's not by rejecting Jesus that sends you to hell. You're already going to hell. Receiving Jesus saves you from hell. Does that make sense? It's crazy stuff. People think, ah, well, yeah, anyway. It's good stuff. So, it's like jumping out of an uh, airplane. I'm jumping out of the airplane, going to the ground. If you don't pull your parachute, you're going to go sort of splat, you know? It's just a matter of fact, you know? And it's not like, how dare God think he can judge me? You're already judged. It's already done. <laughs> it's, already, it's already written. But that doesn't mean that that's God's perfect will for you. See? See, that's the cool thing right here. That's why not everything is that happens is God's perfect will. See, God has a will, but he has an even higher will. The will of God is that justice be served. So in Jesus, justice is served. But the higher will is that you receive that gift and that you will be set free from that condemnation. See what I'm saying? That's awesome. And so the, the perfect will of God is that you be set free. But people think, well, are you saying if I don't... No, you're already there, man. You're already in that spot. God's trying to rescue you. He's loving you. You know what I'm saying? It's good stuff. Alright, so, on that note, we know, the Bible says in, Exodus, in, in, in Ezekiel, it says, watch this, you know that people, you know it's not God's will that people go to hell. But people go to hell every day. Okay? It's not God's perfect will. Let's go to Exodus, let's go to Ezekiel. I'll read this passage to you. I actually have it on my notes here. 
Yeah, it's Ezekiel chapter 33, 11. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? So, it says in the scripture that God has no desire. God does not take pleasure. This is amazing. God does not sit up in heaven and look at people burning in hell and saying, Ha ha, I told you so. It's not God. It says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But see, God is a just God. There are no murderers in heaven. See? Jesus saves the murderer, makes him a new creation. He's no longer a murderer anymore because he's a new creation. And he goes to heaven. Alright, so we know that things happen all the time that aren't God's will. People go to hell every day and it's not God's will. <coughs> and it sounds kind of weird to say that, but it's the truth. It's not God's will. It's, he says, I take no pleasure. The will, will means desire or, or even pleasure in a sense. What is, your, what is your delight? God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He wants them to turn so that they can have life. That's good news. You know. Alright, so on that note, let's, let's get through some of this, man. Um, uh, check this out. When we, when we have... This is good stuff. I grew up in a, in a certain denomination, okay? And they believe everything in the Word of God, but they just don't read it, okay? So, they believe all the Bible is the final authority. Okay? But, when they get uncomfortable with a certain passage, they skip over it. You know what I mean? And, because they're uncomfortable with it. They just don't know how to teach it. They're, they're uncomfortable with it. You know? And so, because they don't want to be held accountable for this word, they don't teach it. Because the scripture says that a teacher will be held more accountable. Okay? And so, they'll just skip right over it. Well, that's dangerous too, because see, when you know the truth, now you're responsible, period. <laughs> now you're responsible to find out. You're responsible, you're responsible to find out and go deeper with it, and not, and not just throw it aside. You know, but they believe that Scripture is the final authority. Okay? So, there's this passage, you know, it talks about in the, in the New Testament, how they went out and preached the gospel. See, the, check this out. The New Testament wasn't written when the disciples were preaching and furthering the, uh, the church. Okay? So, when the disciples were going out... They didn't have a New Testament. It didn't exist. Okay? They knew Jesus, and they learned the words of Jesus, and they were writing the New Testament. See what I'm saying? The New Testament was being written. See, the New, Te the New Testament, it just means testimony. You know? It's the testimony, man, of the disciples. Well, who's a disciple, man? Is it just 12? See, a disciple is actually a follower. He's a follower of Jesus. You know? That's what a disciple is. He's a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple. <laughs> you know? Anybody who's listening is trying to, to follow God, they're a disciple. It's your follower. You follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You learn from your master who is Jesus. Okay? And so he said in his word, he says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you. He says, I have many more things to tell you. I have many more things to tell you, but you can't handle them yet. He says, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you, and He will guide you into all truth. Alright, so this implies, you see, uh, check this out. The reason why a lot of people believe that fate is God's will, and that whatever happens must be God's will. The reason why a lot of people believe that is because they have a hard time hearing God. Okay? And because they can't hear God, they don't know what to put their faith in. So they just put their faith in chance. Right? Put their faith in chance. Which is a false god. Because <laughs> God is not the God of chance. You know? The scripture, they'll say, the people who uh, I, I grew up with, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, the signs and wonders and the miracles and things that all die with the previous apostles, 
You know, it's not here anymore today. You know, it never says that in the Bible. In fact, the same people that say that say, well, God's unchanging. He never changes. They'll say that. Well, if God's unchanging, then why did he change his methods? You know? We still need... Listen. It's, it's good stuff. The scripture says that they went out preaching the gospel with signs and wonders to confirm their message. You know, why? Because these people had never heard it before. You know, and they didn't have the Bible. And they, and they didn't believe the Bible was a final authority. Sounds like a lot of people nowadays. They have the Bible, but they don't believe it's a final authority. So, you know, we gotta we gotta hear God. The scripture says that we'll hear God. It says Jesus says that my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. So that was the first thing I started uh, on my on my journey towards this realization. I realized that I should be able to hear God. If I'm gonna be a disciple, the disciples were led by the Holy Spirit. And they didn't have the, the New Testament scriptures. And then why the reason why I say the New Testament scriptures is because a lot of people in the church I grew up didn't really read the Old Testament, they just read the New Testament. Right? Well, if the disciples, here's, check this out, Holy Spirit was enough. He was, Holy Spirit was enough for the twelve. You know? And they were led by the Holy Spirit. They had the word from God, they obeyed Him. They didn't have the New Testament scriptures, they had to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that we throw away in the New Testament. What I'm saying is that the New Testament without Holy Spirit is just a storybook. It's just a good idea. It's just a nice suggestion. But it's not life-changing. Holy Spirit is everything. Holy Spirit is everything. The Trinity, I've heard this so many times, the Trinity is not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we just think that the Holy Spirit only convicts us of our sin. And that is a very shallow experience of the Holy Spirit. That is great uh, for growing in some maturity, but uh, what's the point in having maturity if the maturity doesn't do anything? You know? I, I don't know if you ever heard that story about the man who had all the muscles and stuff, and he goes down to the Indian tribe in some other country, He's a, he's a bodybuilder. Yeah, he, he's like doing his, his stances. And, or they're like, what are all those muscles for, man? And he goes, he takes off all his clothes or whatever. And he's like, for this, man. <laughs> right? And he's like, what what can you do? Oh, this, man. Whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever he does. And the chief's like, useless. Useless. You just have all these muscles for show, but you're not doing anything with them. I want to see what you can do. You know? And so, we can have maturity and be of no effect. You know? And that's not true maturity. You know, that's just for show. It's religion. It's just religion. Alright? So, we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm bringing this, this is so important. This is part of the, the my, my walk here of how I started to learn that not everything happened was the will of God because... Because the Holy Spirit has to speak to you. Otherwise, somebody will offer you a job that you're not supposed to take because you couldn't hear God. And you'll take the job and it takes you away from God. Oh, but it just happened. This must be from God. No, it's just a chance. See, this is... When people believe that fate is God's will... When they believe in faith, here's what they do. They scrape for miracles. They want to believe so bad. So they make stuff up. You know? They want to believe so bad. So they'll, they'll have a coincidence that happens. Well, that must be God. No, a miracle is when you prayed for it. God answered your prayers. And what everybody else would have thought was a, a coincidence wasn't a coincidence because you told everybody, hey, when, okay, for instance, this is one example. I had a car that the oil and, mix started, oil and water started mixing, so I had a blown head gasket. Couldn't figure out how to fix it, didn't have the money to fix it. And I go back to work the next day, and I said, and it just rose inside me. I said, 
God's going to give me a car. And I started telling everybody, God's going to give me a car. Why? Because if you believe, you'll speak it. And I believed that God was going to give me a car. So we get our tax return in. I'm thinking, okay, maybe we'll go buy this car over here. I forgot that I had, well, I didn't forget. I had said it. But I just kind of started to waver in my faith a little bit. So I started thinking of how I could put it into my own hands and take care of business. So I had this money coming in. So we talked to this lady. She was going to sell this car to us for $3,000. And three months go by. And her lawyer comes up to us and says, listen, uh, this lady, she's being taken care of by the government and she can't sell anything. She doesn't belong to her. She can't sell this car to you. And then she, he goes, but you know what? She can give it to you. And so she's giving you the car. Now, if <clears throat> you see the difference between hearing God and actually speaking what he said, and then it happened. That's a miracle. You know what I'm saying? That's provision of the Lord. That's really a miracle. You know? When it's 2 in the morning and I have no money for groceries and I go to bed and I say, Lord, I have no money for groceries. I thank you, Father, you're providing for me. I'm going to sleep. The next morning, eggs show up on the front porch and five bags of groceries and eight boxes full of produce. And so much we made 20 apple pies and we did a raffle to put $1,000 in the bank. You know? So... It's whenever you hear God and trust Him and, and operate in faith, believing a word you've already heard from Him. That's faith, okay? But faith, it, there's nothing, nothing about faith that is faith. It's just coincidence and chance. That doesn't mean that necessarily that God doesn't still work on your behalf. If people are praying for you, see, God doesn't move until somebody prays. Actually, God's already moved. It just doesn't get released until somebody prays. Does that make sense? That's faith. Now, so so there's things to happen. I, if 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 that's why I always I always say, man, if somebody got healed, right, but nobody really prayed in faith, okay, they'll say like this. For instance, here here's a here's a faith killer prayer right here. If it be thy will, that's a faith killer prayer right there. There's no faith in this, okay. If it be thy will. Now, the reason why I say this is because Jesus was praying in the garden. He said, Father, if, if anything's possible, let this, this cup pass from me. Now, he's in conversation with his papa, right? He's in conversation with his dad. We know that he hears God. This isn't a matter of whether or not he's asking that a chance happen. No, he says this. I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. So he says, if it's... If it, if it's, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass for me. But you know what? Your will be done, not mine. Okay? Now, everybody will say, man, that's, that's the model prayer. That's not the model prayer. The scripture says, this is how you pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You want to know God's will? Look at heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? So if you say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, guess what? There's no sickness in heaven. So I can pray for no sickness on earth. Because that's praying the will of God. But what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about being the one who sets everyone free. He's talking about dying for our sins. And he already knew. He had already prophesied three times before he prayed that prayer. But the Son of Man must suffer and die and on the third day rise. Jesus already knew. See, the thing is, we pray this prayer when we don't know what else to pray. You know what people do? They pray this prayer when they don't know God's will. Hey, I don't know the will of God, so if it be thy will. So they pray this. And this, when people pray this and they don't know God's will already, then it's actually a confession of unbelief. They have unbelief. They say, I don't know your will, Father. So whatever you want to happen, let it happen. Okay? It just kind of tossed it up in the air. Jesus did not do that when he said that. He wasn't doing that. He said, not my will, but yours be done. That was submission. See, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus wasn't questioning God's will. Jesus already knew God's will. But he was sitting there like Abraham, 
who was being obedient to God to kill his son and waiting for the provision of the ram so he didn't have to kill his son, right? But he says, well, I'm going to come back. But see, Abraham believed so much that Isaac was the promised son that he was going to kill him. And if he killed him, God would bring him back. He believed that. He so much believed that Isaac was the promise that he was going to go and do what God told him to do. Anyway, in faith. But see, it always starts with a word. See, faith requires a word. Faith comes by hearing. You can't have faith without a word. So if you're praying this prayer and don't have a word, it's impossible to have faith. If you pray this prayer and don't have a word, it's impossible to have faith without a word. You have to have a word from God. To have faith in. Ah! <laughs> you know? The word is the zip line on your rappel rope. Okay? It's the rappel rope. Your, your, the word is the rope. Your faith is the hook that's on that sucker. You know what I mean? Without a line, you can't have faith. Does it make sense? The word of God is what you're holding on to. The word of God is what you're leaning into. The word of God is what you're resting in. So if you don't have a word and you pray that prayer, then it's not faith. You have to have a word. See, Jesus did have a word, and the word was, you're going to die. And he was just confessing his humanity. If there's another way, he's looking for another word. He wasn't asking God to do something at the last minute and change something. Okay? And like, oh, if it's your will, then they won't come arrest me. That's not what Jesus... <laughs> See what I'm saying? Jesus was saying, if, it is, if there's another way, and he was waiting for the word from God to change what he was ready and willing and obedient to do. But he didn't get that word. He didn't get that word. He got the previous word, which he had already prophesied three times. I think it's three times. I might be mixing something up. It might have been three chapters, or it might have been three times, but I'm pretty sure he practiced. Doesn't matter. He prophesied about it. Okay, so don't stone me if I got that wrong. Okay, my point is this: that he prophesied already. The Son of Man must die. Oh, I might be getting mixed up with three days too. That he prophesied. The Son of Man must suffer and die. He already knew it. He already knew the answer. So when he said this, when he said, "Not my will, but your will," he was just saying, "Yes, sir." He already knew the word. He already knew God's will. He was submitting to it. You see what I'm saying? So when we pray that prayer, if, if we don't already have a word, then what are we submitting to? Well, you know what we're doing? We're throwing in the towel. We're giving up. We don't have anything to stand on. You know what you do when you pray? You pray till you get a word. Then when you get the word, you go stand on the word. Okay? Why? Because Holy Spirit's still alive. He didn't die when the, when the last book of the Bible was written. <laughs> Holy Spirit's still alive. He's going to speak to you. Okay? This is powerful stuff right here. This is powerful stuff. Alright. So, check this out. We know, if I, here's, here's another thing too. Is everything that happens God's will? If I come up to you with a gun and I shoot you in the face, that's not God's will. In fact, God's not in control either. God's not in control of me. If I come up to you and start killing, if I, have, if I go to the school like these, like these mass murderers, you know, and start killing a bunch of people, okay? That's not God's will. Well, what if that, what, let's see, what would you do if a guy like that came up to you and said, well, maybe it was just God's will that I kill those people? It wasn't God's will, it was your will. See what I'm saying? So here's the thing. We, 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 we get super spiritual when we don't know the answer and we say God's in control. You know what I mean? And so, when the guy comes up to you, if he shoots you in the face, God's not in control of him. He's in control of himself. If, if, if it wasn't important, if, if God was in control, then why do I need to preach the gospel and ask people to make Jesus their Lord if God was already in control of everything that was going to happen? Why? Because God can't do anything without a man. On the earth. He needs a man. And the reason why I say that is because there's a bunch of scriptures that talk about our authority as believers. And I've got about four pages that I don't have time to go through on authority of the believer. I have another teaching that I've already taught 
put on Facebook, put on YouTube about the authority of the believer. We have authority on earth because God gave us dominion over the earth. Okay, let me read a few of these. Genesis says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and then let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth. Over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. So God gave us dominion over the earth. Okay? We are the ones that dictate what happens here. Michael, we're doing a Bible study, bro. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about um, if faith is if fate is God's will and everything happens is God. Awesome! Heck yeah! My brother Michael just came in and he's been listening. All right, so if everything happens, right? All right, check this out. And so over all the earth. So it's talking about having dominion over all the earth. So we've been given dominion over the whole earth. Okay. So God doesn't operate in, without a man. I've talked about this too, you know. And, and like I said, there's four pages here. I don't have the time necessarily to go through all these. So um, let's see here. Psalm 115 says, And the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. So the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth belongs to man. Okay. And then the scripture also says that the devil is the prince of the air. Alright, so, which is another heaven, okay? You have the heavens. Y'all know that there's multiple heavens, right? Okay, there's the heavens, which is the universe and the stars and the skies and everything, right? There's the heaven, and then there's the heaven, which is the sky, and then there's the earth. Okay? And this is a cool thing to think about real quick. Here's your heaven's sky. You know, when we talk, our, what is it, 600 and something miles an hour, it's your, your voice travels at 600 and something miles an hour, okay? So the word travels through the air, okay? This is where the word travels, okay? The word is either life or death. Now, <clears throat> it talks about how there's, powers and principalities in there in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We have powers and principalities of the earth. When Daniel was praying, it says the angel of the Lord came to him and said, I got held up by the prince of Persia. Okay? Now, so there's this, there's this, there's this other power happening. See, a lot of times when, when we believe that God is completely in control, then we throw away the devil altogether. We just think that everything came from God. and We, we forget that there's things that come straight from the devil. Then and to keep in mind, the devil's rebellious. It's not like, like, or he's not going to get punished for his sin, you know? The hell was created for the devil. He's rebellious, you know? <clears throat> so we have the prince of, uh, of the power of the earth and the air. Let's see here. Sorry, brother. You caught me right in the middle of it. <laughs> i got to throw it off a little bit. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Genesis 3, 5. For God knows when you eat of, your, eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Sin removed their godlikeness, and putting their faith in the deceiver forfeited their birthright. Okay, so God gave man authority over the earth, but when the devil came, he tempted them and said, basically, why are you putting your faith in God? Here, you should trust me. Okay? And then he became master when we obeyed. Romans says you become the slave of the one you obey. Okay? So, here's the devil. Whenever, check this out, whenever God was being, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan comes up to him and says, hey, <clears throat> he says, look at all this right here. So I think it's the second or third temptation. He said, look at all the kingdoms of the earth. They've all been given to me. I'll give them to you if you bow down and worship me. Woo. <laughs> and Jesus didn't argue with him either. Right? He didn't argue with him. Now, this is, this is good stuff. Um, so the devil has had been, and it says they've been given to me. By who? <laughs> Adam. Adam was the one who had authority. He was the only one who could give it away. He gave the devil his authority over the kingdoms of the earth. But what? Well, it's not just the earth. He is ruling the kingdoms. He rules the kings. Why? Because of this word in the air. He just speaks. 
and it, he deceives. And when a, when a king is deceived, or when a man is deceived, then he obeys the one he's listening to. He becomes a slave of the one he's, he's listening to. So that's what the devil was meaning when he says, all the kingdoms of the earth have been given to me by men. They belong to me. I've tempted them. I've deceived them. They've obeyed me. I've got them right here. They're in my hands. If you'll worship me, I'll give them to you. And Jesus didn't argue with him. He just, he just said, I won't worship you. I'll worship God. He used the word to fight against the devil. Why? Because that's the word that he's using. Anyway, it's good stuff. Uh, the devil's using the word to fight. And so the, so Jesus uses the word to fight. Okay? There's so much stuff here. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. You, if you're going to fight your temptations, you're going to overcome all your vices, you have to use the word of God. The word of God is the only thing. I remember reading Luke chapter 4 whenever he was being tempted, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know how that worked for him. Like he's using, he's just spouting out the word, like, you know, worship me. Uh, God says worship him. How did that work? Like, when I'm being tempted, man, I'm being tempted by my desires. I ain't thinking about God's desires, you know? <laughs> I'm not thinking about God's. And that's what James says, that no one should say that when he's being tempted, he should be tempted, he's being tempted by God. But he's drawn away by his own evil desires. And when his desires have been, what, have given birth, and they give birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death. Okay? I might have misquoted that a little bit. But the point is, it always comes from your desires. Even Jesus was tempted by his desires. Jesus was tempted with hunger. He wanted food. So the devil came in and tempted with his food. You know? He wanted glory. And the, 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 there's prophets that says, I think there's some prophecies that actually talk about him. Someone coming off the temple. I mean, so he wants to jump off the temple and be caught by the angels. and You know? But see, there's a humility there that, that Jesus pursued. You know, to not even consider equality with God something to be grasped, according to Philippians. But he humbled himself to the point of servant, even to the point of death, death on a cross. And then, and then the last one, or whatever it was, uh, the kingdoms of the world. He wanted the kingdoms of the world. That's what he was sent for. But then he, it's just awesome. So I realized that I could have a desire, be tempted with my desire, and the desire is not even necessarily the problem. The problem was, am I using the word in my life? Because whenever I'm being tempted with my desires, I take God's desires and I, and I submit. That's powerful. That's awesome. So, this is good. When you're being tempted, I didn't mean to go here. When you're being tempted by your own desires, you submit to God's desires and speak them. Why? Because that's your identity. See, you think that because you think this way, that that's who you are. That's not who you are. It's a lie. You're living a lie. That's why James says that whenever you receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. It says, not, do not be hearers only, but be doers only. For someone who walks away and does not do what he's heard, he's like a man who walked away from the mirror, looked at himself in the mirror, and walked away and forgot what he looked like. Why? Because this is the word, this word of God right here. This is your mirror. This is your definition. Now, we sometimes have our own desires, and we think that that's who we are, but that's not. This, this, when we look at our own desires, we have what's called an identity crisis. We have an identity crisis. We forget who we are. We forget who we were designed to be. Now, this is powerful right here. When you talk about our desires and God's desires, we're talking about the will again. Oh, my gosh. God is so awesome. Ah! We're talking about God's will versus your will. There's a battle here. God has a will, and his will doesn't always take place. The reason why is because he's given us authority. And we get our will done, or the devil gets his will done through deceiving us with our own desires. See what I'm saying? Which is our will. All, God, all, all the devil wants to do is get you to stop pursuing his will. So it's a submission thing. It's a humility thing. Now watch this. This is submission is humility. God gives grace when you're humble. So you want to overcome your desires? You submit to His desires. You humble yourself. And this is powerful. This is so, this is the key to, to being successful in sin. When you're struggling with sin. This is, the, this is the key right here. You have a desire, which is your will. But whenever you, when you're being tempted with your own desires, if you'll remember God's desires, whether or not you feel like it or not, because you're not going to feel like it. 
you have a desire. And your feelings are, are whipped. See what I'm saying? So you're going to have to submit. So this is what I do. And I, especially, like even now, like I've been walking uh, very free from pornography for seven years. It doesn't mean that I haven't messed up or had some hang-ups here and there. But when I get tempted, when I get tempted, okay, I have to constantly do this. <clears throat> I have to say, my, uh, like when I'm being tempted with this, with this desire that's inside me. Because look, you, you have a flesh, man. Your flesh has a desire. You're going to be tempted. You, to say you'll never be tempted again is just hogwash, you know? <laughs> You're going to be tempted. You, your desires. So what you do is you submit to God's desires. And I'll, here's what I'll do, man. I've been in moments where I'm uh, right, in the, right in the moment where I'm being tempted, and then I'll say, man, that stuff's going to kill me. And I'll say, that's not what I want in the name of Jesus. Why? Because that's not who I am in the name of Jesus. In Jesus, I'm a new creation. Now watch this. Humility is submission to God. <clears throat> the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. The Bible also says this, that by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith and humility are the same thing. When I'm humble before God, I actually believe something that I don't really feel. Does this make sense? Say that again. When I walk humbly before God and I have faith, I'm believing something that I don't feel. I'm believing something that I don't feel. Let me say that again. Believing something that I don't feel. Your senses, bro. This is all your body. But see, we're believing something higher than the body. We're believing something spiritual. So when I start believing, this is my identity that God's desire for me is my identity is my identity, not just my identity, but my destiny. Then we get down to Romans chapter 8 that says <clears throat> that God works all those, you know, works good towards all those who love Him. And it says that for those He foreknew, He also, or those He predestined, He also foreknew. Watch this. Predestined doesn't mean that it was written down and that it's over. Predestined means this was your design. This is your predestination right here. This whole word right here. This is who you are. You might not be living up to it, but you were predestined to live up to it. See, what a predestined means is the pre-design. It's God's original idea. God's original idea is that you live righteous. He has an identity for you, okay? And so it says, those he predestined, he also foreknew, right? And then he glorified. So, <clears throat> this is the design. So, not everybody chooses this. Which means that it goes against God's will. And therefore, is um, useless. You know, think about it. If a chair, if you build a chair with a design, <clears throat> and it doesn't fulfill your design, it becomes useless. You know? And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to become useless. Watch this. He wants you to become worthless. But see, listen. Your worthlessness has to do with how you feel a lot of times. But you feel is your unbelief. Your unbelief. When you go here, when you start doing this and you're not fulfilling what you are pre-designed to do, you actually live in unbelief. You're, you're going with your desire, not God's desire, so you have unbelief. Does this make sense? Because watch, faith is to submit. Faith is to submit. Faith is humility. Faith is humility. So unbelief is following my desire. Unbelief is pride. It's thinking I know better than God. But God, this is the way I am. I struggle with homosexuality. This is who I am. No, that's not who you were designed to be. But your desire and your, your own will is a big deception. And now you have an identity crisis. Because you forgot who you were. <laughs> this is awesome. You forget who you are. You can never be of effect until you know who you are. 
Now that right there is powerful. See, what we think is we're just these big old sinners. We think that we, we have no victory in this life. We think that whatever happens is going to be God's will. You know? And so then we become worthless. Our prayers are worthless. We have a worthlessness. This leads to depression. Depression leads to death, which is right where the devil wants you. You see how these, think, these lines of thinking go? Like we cannot say, well, everything... Ha-. Listen, we have to start taking responsibility. We have to start taking... <laughs> take responsibility. We've been running from that for so long. Ever since Adam, when he got tempted, and he goes, that woman, you took... <clears throat> Immediately, he started running away from responsibility. He forgot his identity. I believe, me personally, this is me. This is not... This is just me. I'm not saying this is the Word of God. But me personally, I believe if Adam had repented at the beginning, we'd have a totally different story. But he didn't repent. He was full of pride. Full of pride. That's the real sin. And shame. But even even shame. Watch this. This is so good. Even shame is pride. <clears throat> when you're shamed or when you're condemned, then you forgot your identity. See, Jesus took it all for you. He took all your shame, all your guilt, all your condemnation... And so when we start saying, but God, you don't understand, that's prideful. (laughs) We think that this is humility. This is, what this is called is worldly remorse. And it leads to death. But godly remorse, where I'm just repentant of my sin. God, I'm sorry I sinned against you. I know that's not who I am. You know, and, and yeah, we rip our clothes and, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it doesn't come with crying. I'm not saying that godly remorse doesn't come with weeping, you know. What I'm saying is, this leads to repentance, this leads to death. You can see the difference in Judas and Peter. Peter did the same thing that Judas did. Because see, Jesus never said it it started with your hands. He said it starts with your heart. So whenever Judas sold him for silver, Peter sold him for his heart. He sold it, you know what I mean? He, they asked him, you, don't, you know him? No, I don't. He denied him three times. So Peter was three times the sinner as Judas. <laughs> he just did it once. In fact, Peter never went back to the people he told and said, no, I do know him. Judas did. Judas went back and threw his silver back. He was repentant, the Bible says. He actually uses the word repent, that he repented. And he went back and he said, I made a mistake. And he threw back the silver. But see, he had a worldly remorse. He was full of shame and condemnation. And he forgot what Jesus, he didn't understand what Jesus was doing for him right now. So he killed himself. He didn't know. He didn't get a revelation of what Jesus was doing for him. Otherwise, he would have, he would have really repented. And he would have served God the rest of his life. And who knows how many people he would have turned you know what I mean? Judas, listen, if we think, well, Judas was just set up for destruction and that was it, we don't realize that Jesus picked him. It says, Jesus comes to the crowd and he goes, listen, Jesus comes to his disciples one time. Again, I'm going to pull a Jesus and say it is written because I don't remember where it was. Okay, you have to do your own homework. Jesus comes in the room and says, <clears throat> disciples, he goes, listen, y'all didn't choose me. I chose you, but I tell you, want to use the devil. Okay, when I read that the first time, I thought, Jesus picked Judas, and he knew. He knew the whole time. He picked Judas, but he died for Judas too. Man, it says in the Bible that, for he demonstrated his own love toward us, that he died even while we were still enemies of God. He demonstrated his own love for us. Judas was Jesus' enemy, and we want to pretend that Jesus didn't, I think people believe that Jesus, Judas was just condemned and was never had a chance. I don't believe that. I believe that Jesus died for Judas. I believe that Jesus picked Judas. I believe that Judas had just as much opportunity as Peter did to become saved and repent and turn and follow Jesus all of his life. The reason why I know this is because Judas betrayed Jesus one time. 
Paul took Judas's place, and how many people did he persecute? <laughs> Judas only did Jesus himself. Paul persecuted the church, and Jesus comes up to, Jesus, to Paul and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Persecuting me. You're, you're handing me over. You're arresting me. You're handing me over to the prison. You're killing me. That's what Judas did. Paul did it thousands times more. And he turned to Jesus and, wow, isn't that awesome? <laughs> and he was the best evangelist we've ever had. I mean, he, he transformed the world. Two-thirds of the New Testament is written by that guy. You know? Powerful stuff. So even that, I don't... You know, that's, we kind of got off on the... Does everything happen that it's God's will, you know? Listen, we, we know that we have dominion. I probably need to quit here because of time. But uh, God's awesome. And, and, and I have another teaching. If you want some better uh, understanding of fake God's will, I had a, a sheet of paper I was going to go through. We never really made it through it. Uh, but I have another 45-minute teaching on YouTube that we can watch someday, or y'all can go on there and look it up. It's called Fake Is Fake God's Will? And then also, I've got another 45-minute teaching on the authority of the believer. But this was awesome.